The Drive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we take a populist approach to cars and transport. I'm David Brown, and in the program this week we look at news stories with David Campbell, including Ford purchases scooter company Spin, and one in five Australian drivers admits to cyclist road rage. We hear a motoring minute on the new pricing for the Maserati SUV, the Levante, and I reflect on driving it from Albury to Melbourne on secondary roads. We review an ad from the 1950s for the Morris Minor. Performance then isn't what it is today. And Errol Smith and I take a sunny look at some weird and wonderful news stories about cars and transport, including motorising transport that was once aimed at keeping you fit. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or you can podcast previous programs on iTunes or Spotify. So let's begin the program with the news. Australia's Robin Denholm, currently Chief Financial Officer and Head of Strategy for Telstra, has resigned from her position to become Tesla Motors Chairman in the United States. She replaces company founder Elon Musk, who remains on the board and is still Chief Executive Officer, but was forced to step down as Chairman for three years and pay a $20 million fine as part of a deal struck with the US Securities and Exchange Commission in September to resolve a securities fraud case. A one-time finance manager with Toyota Australia, Ms Denholm has been an independent director on the Tesla board since 2014, but her elevation to chairman has required her to quit her high-profile job at Telstra and devote her full attention to the American electric vehicle manufacturer. Although her appointment is effective immediately, Ms Denholm must complete a six-month notice period with Tesla, which will end in May next year. Ford, Holden, Audi and Volkswagen will all be among the beneficiaries of Australia's freshly ratified Trans-Pacific Partnership Free Trade Agreement, or TPP, that is set to come into force at the end of the year. Ford's Canadian-made Endura Large SUV, due to be launched in Australia in December, will escape the 5% import tariff, as will the Mexican-built Holden Equinox, Audi Q5 and Volkswagen Tiguan Allspace. Australia last week became the sixth country to ratify the agreement and the first group to sign up for the wide-ranging pact that the Australian Federal Government predicts will generate annual benefits of up to $15 billion by 2030. Ultimately, 11 countries are expected to join the agreement, although they will not include the United States after President Donald Trump pulled the country from the negotiations. About one in five Australian drivers has admitted to experiencing road rage or acting aggressively towards cyclists, according to a new survey of almost 2,000 motorists. The survey, released by Ford Australia, found that road rage was highest among people aged between 18 to 34, 23% of whom admitted to swearing, honking their horn or making hand gestures when passing a cyclist. It found 1 in 10 drivers experienced this type of road rage at least once a month. In the past 12 months, Australia experienced an 80% increase in cyclist deaths. Distraction, especially from texting and smartphone use, a lack of driving experience and a lack of awareness of cyclists have been identified as key factors. One study found driver distraction accounted for one in four accidents. 
Melbourne-based company SEA Electric says it plans to take a 10% share of the light commercial van segment with the delivery van and commuter bus lineup powered by its locally developed and manufactured full electric powertrain. The company, which is headquartered in Dandenong in Melbourne southeast, recently announced that it had secured an undisclosed amount of state government funding to help build a factory in Victoria's La Trobe Valley that would produce electric powertrains for commercial vans. The vans are manufactured by King Long in China and imported into Australia without an engine. SEA Electric then fits them with their own electric powertrain. Nissan Australia's managing director Stephen Lester says he is happy with the progress of the Japanese manufacturer's Infinity Premium brand, despite clocking just 554 sales for the year to date and hovering near the bottom of Australia's new vehicle sales chart. The company will also have to wait a little longer for the model that is expected to become its best seller, with the QX50 midsize SUV now pushed out to mid-2019. There are just eight Infiniti showrooms across Australia. Shouldering the lion's share of sales is the Q50 medium sedan, which is up 8.4% this year to 193 units, on the back of an updated range introduced in August. Overall, Infiniti sales are down nearly 18% this year. In the US, the Ford Motor Company has announced that it has purchased the scooter company Spin to expand its mobility services. The automaker cited the changing mobility landscape in the US as the catalyst for the purchase. Spin operates dockless electric scooters in 13 cities across the country. Ford's purchase comes after the founding of Ford X. Ford X is a part of Ford Smart Mobility. Ford X is a part of Ford's Smart Mobility, and it has studied scooter sharing services to understand the best approach to deployment. Spin is one of the few countries that have banked on changing tides within the mobility industry. Earlier this year, ride-sharing company Lyft launched its own scooter service ahead of rival Uber. The company has since delivered more scooters to areas it considers opportunity zones or places where public transportation isn't widely available. And finally, because OPEC is on this week, Papua New Guinea's government is under scrutiny for importing luxury Maserati cars and Bentley limousines for November's APEC summit. The V8 Bentley Flying Spur limousines are worth more than $320,000 each and will join 40 Quattro Port Maseratis worth $175,000 each. Media and activists have questioned if the poor Pacific country has wasted millions of dollars. Pictures of the cars arriving at Port Moresby Airport on chartered cargo planes were shared on social media and sparked concern that taxpayer money was being wasted on the lavish purchase. The government says they will be sold off after the APEC summit. Many of the Pacific country's roads are poorly maintained, with vehicle speeds limited to just 80 kilometres per hour. Other roads wind through mountainous terrain and often require four-wheel drive capability. The Maseratis can reach speeds of 240 kilometres per hour. It is unlikely that they'll have a chance to open up on Papua New Guinea's roads. And that has been the news. My first car was a Morris Minor. I found an ad the other day from the mid-50s, which is titled, Now You Move Up Twice As Fast in the Mighty Morris Minor 1000. It says over half a million owners know the quality first. Morris Minor has always been a pretty brisk mover. 
now with a new, more powerful 950cc overhead valve engine, acceleration has actually been stepped up 100%. Under test, the Morris 1000 recently recorded a 0-100km an hour through the gears in 28.2 seconds, without fuss or effort. Now, 28.2 seconds is not really that fast. The supercars on the Australian market in the early 70s, the GTHOs, I think they were more around the 8-second mark for the 0-100. to So that's pretty much quicker than 28.2. But now, of course, some of the more exotic supercars will do it between 3 and 4 seconds that you had to go up through the gears is another point because most cars will probably hit 100k in first or second gear. The other thing about the Morris in the mid-50s that it was priced from £401. They also added £201.17 shillings for PT. I've no idea what that is, but clearly it added 50% to the price of the car. Overdrive's traffic engineering expert, Alan Finlay, commented that the 28.2 seconds of the Morris probably had to be recorded going downhill with a tailwind. If you have memories and want to talk about your first car and its performance compared to cars of today, why don't you send us an email to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. And now a motoring minute from Rob Fraser from anyauto.com.au. Maserati has released the entry-level Levante to its range. There are three variants of the Levante, priced from $125,000 recommended retail, and the higher trim levels of both the Grand Sport and Grand Lusso, both priced from $159,000 recommended retail. Apparently, over 90% of worldwide sales for the Levante are buyers who are new to the brand. While unmistakably a Maserati with the grill and famous Trident logo, the designers have excelled in making a large SUV look smaller than it actually is. The styling is subtle and elegant. I particularly like the sporty interior with handcrafted leather that cocoons the driver yet provides ample room for four adults. This is a Maserati and you expect performance. The 257 kilowatt twin turbo V6 will propel from 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in a reasonable six seconds and will top out at 251 kilometers an hour. More importantly though is that the ride and handling selectively varies from limousine comfort to outright sporty but is always compliant. Featuring the Q4 intelligent all-wheel drive system with a definite rear-wheel drive bias, Levante is a grand tour in every sense, ideally suited for traversing long distances, trips to the snow or to the weekend retreat as well as daily driving. When you buy a Maserati, you are buying more than a car. You are buying the experience. I had a drive of this latest model Maserati, and I took it from Albury to Melbourne on the back roads. It's a great way to travel rather than the boring superhighway. You get variety plus enough of flowing, twisting roads to enjoy the car and enjoy driving it. Partway through the trip, I recorded these impressions. So Maserati with their SUV have just uh, done an upgrade a bit with the Levant, not so much in terms of features, but in terms of cost. 
they've lowered the cost on the entry level. The entry level will now be the petrol engine vehicle and it can step up through the diesel and some high performance and luxury features. I have to say that in driving this, the sound is lovely. Put everything else aside, don't worry about what the technology is. First and foremost, it's the sound. If you want to know what a Maserati driver is really like, go through a tunnel with one of them. They'll wind the windows down and rev the engine to hear that reverb of the beautiful engine as it sounds through the echoing of the tunnel system. As you drive this car, I've got to say, the steering is speed sensitive, and once you get up to some twisting roads through the country, which we've just been on, you have to make sure that you, when you turn into a corner, you come out without reefing the steering wheel too solidly. You've got to blend from one curve to the other. The reason is it's, it's so sensitive, it's so working so well at a high speed with minimal movement, you don't want to overdo it. Not to get out of control necessarily, but to make it a bit throwing sideways, not real good for your passenger. But did I mention the sound? I love the sound of the engine. It just makes a beautiful roaring noise. I'm in a bit of traffic here at the moment. Oh, and it just... Oh has enough to make you really feel that sort of reverberation, as I said, that sonic beauty that comes from a Maserati. And we were driving the Maserati SUV, the Levante, now available from around $125,000. You're listening to Overdrive. And we come to the end of the program, or the last section of the program, where we talk about weird stories in the world of motoring and transport. And once again, as of last week, as this week as well, I'm joined by Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. Errol, if you have an exercise bike or an activity that is meant to keep you fit and get you through the great outdoors, if you motorise it, does that tend to kill its purpose? I refer, of course, to Ducati, who have announced the MiG-R, which sounds like a cross between a Soviet aeroplane and a very luxurious car. It's an electric assist mountain bike. Mm. Now, you like this sort of technology, and perhaps... Well, maybe it is a way that if I a mountain bike tends to be all or nothing, doesn't it? Yes, it's designed for a purpose. So, if you do mountain biking, you either have to be super fit or you don't do it. Yes, I put myself in the latter category. Mm. I just suspect that a lot of people own a mountain bike, and it's used to ride down to the corner shops and back at most, or it sits in the garage gathering dust, but. A bit like you, David, I was very confused by the, the model number they've given this, the MIG-RR, which sounds like a Russian fighter jet. Yes. And the other thing I'm a bit confused about is that it's a Ducati. Now, technically, it does have two wheels and a motor, like a regular Ducati, but that's about where the similarities end, I think. I think it's fair to say. Is that like having a car that you call a Rolls-Royce simply because it has the spirit of ecstasy badge on the front? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Yeah. You ought to have more than that. I think of Ducatis as having a, a sporty look with a sort of European flair and style. This doesn't. 
No. Now, hang on. Wasn't Ducati bought by Volkswagen? Uh, you might be right. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't put a five-cylinder engine in one of them. <laughs> I think Ducati is owned by Volkswagen. Yeah, so, uh, well, well, it probably pollutes more than they say it does. It, yes, yes. Yes, I'm sure it, it's probably a diesel assist with low, with low emissions. Yeah. But it would be good to sort of be able to ride through the great outdoors. I mean, that's the great thing of electric bikes, we think, on the road. And by the way, given our council's record at fixing potholes, I would think that perhaps a mountain bike down to the corner store may be the appropriate vehicle, mm. maybe the appropriate one to use. But nonetheless, we've talked about it on the road of having an electric bike get you up a hill, you do a bit of pedalling, perhaps out in the countryside as well. This might not be a bad thing uh, as part of the extension of that uh, concept. Mm. You're looking at ten grand, and for that you can buy a real motorbike. <laughs> maybe, maybe not necessarily a real Ducati, but a real motorbike. And you can only get it in Europe, so it's for the... Uh, elite. The the elite and or the uh, Italian aficionados for now. Errol, do you like the idea of sort of futuristic, fanciful cars in movies? Because Audi is going to debut their RSQ e-tron for 20th Century Fox's film Spies in Disguise. Right which is the sort of alliteration that doesn't make me encouraged to see the film anyway but no i i thought i thought that pretty much the definition of of spy was <laughs> that they were incognito <laughs> and just in disguise so it seems like a bit of a tautology <laughs> a, but, um, a redundant term <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and it's called the e-tron like you're trying to make it sound futuristic yeah I don't know, but why didn't you call it, you know, the Blade Runner Tron Star Wars, you know? <laughs> yes. uh, back to the Future with the E-Tron. Yeah. What is it, a Lux capacitor or something? Yeah, a Lux capacitor, of course. What I see here is that they got one of their cast-offs from the digital design room and uploaded it to a movie producer. So I was wondering what they did for the rest of the day. Yeah, see, the point about it is it's not a real car. It is a digital car. It is one that is created in a digital environment, not in a real environment. I interviewed the chief designer for Holden the other day where they had done a similar exercise on the 50th anniversary of the first Holden winning the Bathurst race, and they... modelled it going around the Bathurst circuit at some unbelievable speed and such, and it was all electric and only made for one lap. But he, So anyway, now it, it goes into this fanciful world. I, I'm a bit of an old-fashioned person here, Errol. I like the sort of quaint thing, perhaps chitty-chitty bang-bang, which was quirky without being so heavily American and, you know, that sort of extremity that you get in design mm. that is not particularly new, it's just a bit bigger and more extreme. Yes. Well, speaking of of which, I, I think the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang might have had some of the t- same technology that's in this vehicle because yeah. it has transformational technology, which is as vague as any other automotive marketing spin. Yes, um, okay. I assume it, it's, it's, it's a robot in disguise, perhaps. Mm. And that's what they're alluding to. But it could just be a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang where, you know, wings come out and it can fly. Who knows? Well, you see, the trouble in something that is so virtual reality, it could have everything. And so it overcomes the need for practicality or reality. 
you know, it can mm. define, well, so did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The, the wings out the side were hardly modern aerodynamic design. No, but it, it, it could at least carry a whole family, whereas this is a, a strictly a two-seater. Oh, okay. So it's not very, not very practical. No, no. I won't buy one. No. If they're going to go with all sorts of technology, they should have gone with some Doctor Who technology and made it bigger on the inside. Oh, that's clever. Let's have the uh, Audi TARDIS. Ah, I want to see no, that. No, that is very clever because by merely making the outside look sexy but have nothing more than the dream of the guy who used to draw pictures on his maths book, if you know what I mean. Are you talking about me again? Well, I think our colleague Fred might be part of that as well. What were some of the other ones? The Lotus Esprit in The Spy Who Loved Me? The Ghostbusters 1959 Cadillac. That had some sort of character to it without being silly. Yes. It didn't go underwater. Uh, well, like the Esprit, yes. Like the Esprit, no. Do you, the Blues <laughs> Brothers 1974 Dodge Monaco? Yeah. Of course, you had the Back to the Future DeLorean. There were other things like Dumb and Dumber, Mutt's Cut's Van. Well, no, maybe not. Say that three times carefully. <laughs> maybe the one that appeals to me, and this is perhaps a, a sad reflection, while I never liked a movie or what have you, yet the principle of the love bug, yes. that it was clever without being ostentatious. The car didn't transform or fly or go or whatever, but it literally had personality. Well, and also modesty. Yes. Right? It didn't show off. It only did things that were helpful when it had to. That's why you could t tell it was made by Volkswagen, not, not Porsche. <laughs> or you can see why it, it is not a forerunner for American presidents. <laughs> no. It's actually, actually helpful, practical, clever, uh, and, and humble. Yeah. As for this RSQ e-tron, I actually don't think it looks that much different to no. any one of um, any Audi's other concept cars. It's, you know, it's got bits of TT and some of the other cars you've seen before in it and, and four, four circles. You've taken the extreme dreams, the creativity of the designers and gone to the marketing department who've brought it back to saying, well, it has to show something that we can sell today. Maybe somebody said, don't make it too extreme because we might actually have to bring it to market. Oh, well, there's that too. Now, Errol, talking about uh, taking something that of humble look but underneath has immense power. You have a story on that. Well, David, Icon is a little company in LA that, that's been turning out some really cool 4x4 vehicles based on old vehicle bodies. But more recently, they've been doing what they call the derelict collection, which is basically get a rusty old car body and whack some really modern running gear underneath, but keep the rusty old car body on top. Yes. So it still looks kind of old and worn out, but it's actually a modern drivable car on the inside and underneath their latest creation is a 1949 mercury coupe that looks like it belongs in a junkyard but sports a tesla based battery array and electric motors putting out 400 brake horsepower along with a completely new dash and controls but all done in a classic style what do you think david i bet you it's not cheap i think th these are one of a kind uh, projects 
I think I've seen this sort of thing before where it was still an internal combustion engine. Going to Tesla is just the next step. And I think even then it was a quarter of a million dollars for one of these older cars. And that's American dollars, 300 or more thousand Australian. They've done quite a lot of them. There was a Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud. There's been a 1950 Buick Roadmaster, you know, a bunch of 1948 Buick Super Icon. So there's been a, a, a variation, um, a bit of a, a, a running theme. But uh, I think this is this is their winner. It's just yes. it looks like a piece of rubbish that someone's been someone's been sitting in the desert, mm. but a sort of an untouched, you know, what they what they call original condition because it's all intact, even though it's sort of rusty and dirty. And I just want one parked in the driveway just to offend the neighbours. I wonder if it has the new suspension. Yes. Because you would hope that it doesn't have the old suspension. Well, I think they've replaced pretty much everything that you can't see. But they've done a pretty good job. Apparently, the the charger point is hidden under the front bumper, uh, the front number plate, sorry. Ah. So everything's discreet. And uh, yes. you know, from a distance, you can't tell that it's uh, anything modern. If they had the charging point obvious, it'd be almost a little bit of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. I know it looks horrible, but hang on, I'm hinting at you. What I find a number of things is, one, it would be so quiet. Not only there'd be no rattles in it, let alone engine noise. Yeah. And I would find that unusual. However, I'm getting old enough to know that I would like it that way. I don't know. I think having it silenced is a bit of an insult to these old cars. Some people love the old cars because of that old wrestling with it, working with it, knowing and understanding the mechanics of it. I want a car where the seats are heated and cooled. That's how, mm. oh, uh, that's how I'm getting, Errol. I don't know if they've literally done that, but it does have a modern interior. They've gone out of their way to find dials and gauges and things that are in the classic style but it's all brand new equipment so you kind of almost do get the best of both worlds yes well that that's my point that's what i like i don't mind portraying an image on the outside i just don't want to suffer for my art Mm. my only concern is that they've kept kept the rusty look but is it real rust because i don't want to don't want it to get any worse (laughs) especially if i spent quarter of a million dollars on it you see, if you pulled up at the traffic lights and it wasn't making any noise, the typical person would look at it and say, uh-oh, he's coasting, something's failed. <laughs> and then the lights would go green and you would go whoosh, being Tesla and electronic, the acceleration is stunning. Yes. And whoosh, off you would go. Just before we go, I'd like to apologise to Fred and Dean. I sent them an email where I'd had found an old photo of a drag race going on. It was between an old Monaro, which Fred has several of, and an E-type Jaguar, which Christopher, my brother-in-law, has a passion for Jaguars. And I put the heading, and my intended was Monaro versus E-Type in a drag race. Unfortunately, I typed it too quickly, and I put Monaro versus E-Type in a dag race. <laughs> I don't know if that's Freudian. It could be. It, it sounds like um, you're saying something about anyone who owns either of those vehicles. Could be. Errol, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. No worries, David. Errol Smith, and we were talking some quirky news here on Overdrive.
And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, David Campbell, Rob Fraser and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or podcast previous programs on iTunes or Spotify. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.